Hello and welcome back to another episode of Preview Review, the movie trailer podcast. Ryan, it's our 50th episode! Really? Yes! And like actually 50th episode that we will record and release because last episode was numbered 50, but as you know... In we the lied past, to the audience. We have a lost episode, R.I.P. Oh, the lost episode. May its memory be a blessing. Um, remember the fallen. Dark waters. I don't uh, even remember everything that we talked about. 21 Bridges. Doolittle, is that on that one? No, no we did that way one for earlier real. than Doolittle. This episode 13 is the missing one. Okay, well, oh, it's because it's unlucky. That's why I went missing. Mm, exactly. Not That's because of data corruption. So... This may be titled episode number 51, but this is the 50th episode of Preview Review we will have released. Only a short three years after we started this podcast. We're very on top of things. Hey, people doubted us. They said they'll never make it to 50. No, they did. They did say that. Everyone came up to us when we said we're starting a podcast. They said, ha, I, I bet they'll never <laughs> make never it to make 50. 50 episodes. <laughs> well, here you go, naysayers. This one's for you. Um, but as always, my name is Tyler Ellison, here with my co-host, Ryan Toon. And uh, on this podcast, we just discuss movie trailers and uh, what we think we of do. them. We don't just discuss movie trailers. That's true, but that's a central tenet to what we do. It's true. We did discuss the trailer for Tenet a while back, too. Oh, that's also true. It was in a non-lost episode. No, that, yeah. That was a found episode. The, the other 49. <laughs> yes. What else do we do on this podcast? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one that brought it up. Well, I said we talk about movie, movie trailers. We do that. We talk about kind of whatever we want as long as it pertains to movie trailers or we can tangentially relate it to movie trailers. But um, Does we, that not mean we talk about movie trailers? I feel like I covered it. Well, no, no, no. Because sometimes we do Ryan's review roundup. Oh, that's true. And we should do that. Right now? No. Whoa, segue. Okay. Ryan's review roundup. I basically saw everything that we preview reviewed last time, Tyler. I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I saw Prey. I saw Bullet Train. And I saw Vengeance. Um, which would you like to hear about? All of Let's them. Let's make it interactive. I want to hear about all Choose of them. Choose your own adventure. Where we start? Mm, I want, first, I want your take on Bullet Train. Bullet Train is a bunch of fun. Loads of adrenaline. Um, if you've seen anything from David Leach you'll know exactly what type of movie you're getting into. It's just like Hobbs and Shaw. It's just like Deadpool 2. you got all these fun characters getting together on a train and trying to kill each other. And if you've seen the first trailer, it pretty much encapsulates the tone of the film. I had a very enjoyable time at the theater, but it's not going to be like, you know, a prestige film or anything like that. But it knows what it is, and you're going to have fun if you watch it. I was a little bit surprised. Bullet Train got slightly worse reviews than I was expecting for it. But nothing really said that, like, oh, it's it's bad. Like, I think people got exactly out of it what they sold it as. I think I was <laughs> just expecting it to be a little, little bit more like, oh, this is actually, like, a refreshing action movie. Kind of like what we got from the response to Michael Bay's Ambulance. Ooh. That's what I was, like, kind of hoping to see. Damn. But it didn't seem like it got that kind of reception, at least from, like, my corner of, like, yeah. film, TikTok, well, and Twitter. It's, uh, it's gotten, like... Very middling reviews. It's like at like a 50-something on Rotten Tomatoes, which means about like half the critics gave it a positive review and half the critics gave it a negative review. Um, but I think overall I'd give it a positive review. There are some negatives to it. It's not a perfect movie. Um, but it's not, you know, a movie for everyone. It's not a big thinker. It's not like 
going to be an award winner or anything like that. But it's a, mm-hmm. it's a fun time. All right. Well, let me get your take on another action movie then. Tell me what you thought about Prey. Ooh, I like Prey. Prey was the Predator movie that went to Hulu. Um, and it does a very good job of being a good Predator movie. It takes the best parts of Predator 1 and puts it into a new setting with a new fresh crop of characters. And you're going to see how they decide they're going to be able to fight the Predator. What are they going to do? Like, what tactics is she going to use? Things like that. Um, I thought it was very well directed, very well acted. Um, it's a Predator movie. So if you've seen like Predator 1 or 2, it's very similar to those movies where it's just like one person or like a group of people against a single singular Predator in a distinct setting. Um, so I think it does the formula very well. And honestly, I would say this is either like, it's probably my second favorite Predator movie out of the five. Wow. So okay. It's, it's worth your time. Nice. And you don't even have to see any Predator movies to watch it. Um, it's very standalone. Well, now that you told me about the Predator movie, you got to tell me about what the Predator leaves behind. Vengeance. The bodies, oh. bodies, bodies. On the bullet train. We already talked about it. Oh, that. right, right, right. Okay. Bodies, bodies, bodies. The the fun game movie. It's like game night, but it's bodies, bodies, bodies. Right. Um, This one is the one where they're like stuck. They're throwing a hurricane party and... Then the lights go out and people start dropping one by one and they're trying to figure out who the killer is. Um, but it's with a cast of mostly Gen Z actors or uh, old, like younger millennials playing Gen Z. Uh, kind of a mix of that. Um, I thought it was exactly what it sold you on. Um, it's going to have some jabs at that generation while also being like a slasher whodunit. And I think it dips its toe a little bit into the satire, a little bit into the slasher whodunit mystery. Uh, just enough... So, like, you get a taste of both of those genres without really ever, like, fully committing to either of them. Um, I think if it just had gone a little further with the satire or a little further with, like, the slasher, I think I would have had a better time with it. But mm. overall, it's still an enjoyable movie. And there are at least, like, one or two scenes that really stand out that I just want to rewatch those scenes. Yeah, like if it like it needed to commit to either being a more of a full fledged horror movie or more of a full fledged like horror comedy. Exactly. But it feels like it does a little bit too much like both. Exactly. Ending. Like not being funny enough so where I could say like this is a comedy, but not mm. being scary enough where I could say this is a horror movie. Gotcha. That makes sense. Alright, and lastly, Ryan, please tell us about what you thought of the film Vengeance. I actually really like this movie. It's probably one of my top five movies I've seen in theaters this year. Yeah. Um this is I didn't expect to like it as much as I did when I went in. I thought it was going to be a fun little comedy with B.J. Novak in Texas. Um, but it actually gets at some deeply profound, like, ideas. Like, it's weird. Ashton Kutcher's character, like, sometimes will just go into weird, deep monologues. And you're just like, hmm, really makes you think. But it does. It really makes you think. Um, and I like that it has insight in, like, who we are as people. Like, how we view the other. And... Also, while being a fun murder mystery, like, I mean, it's not a hard murder mystery to solve, you know? Like, you'll probably figure it out who it is just by watching the trailer. Um, but you'll enjoy the ride. And, um, yeah, I really like this movie. I think the writing and the acting, especially from um, Boyd Holbrook, I think is a good standout. He plays the hick that is, like, lovable really well. And you hurt when he hurts, and mm-hmm. you laugh when he laughs. Nice. 
Great. Well, glowing review for Vengeance. Yeah. I love to see it. And decent reviews for the other two. Yeah, I would give all four of these movies positive reviews. Okay. Um, you know, what about so if you had to rank them? Vengeance, Prey, Bullet Train, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Gotcha. Makes sense. That's what I would have thought, too. Based on my reviews or yes. based on... No, I haven't seen any of them. Oh, so okay. I'm, my opinion is your opinion at this point. Ooh. But homogenized we'll opinions. That's us. Never disagreeing. Well, I guess... Don't go back and it's listen It's less so that my opinion, opinion more so that my opinion doesn't exist and so... So you're piggybacking. I only... Yeah. It's I okay. I only exist in so far There's as... There's room for I two on this door. I'm not like a... <laughs> well, Ryan, let's jump into talking about what movies we're discussing on today's podcast, shall we? Um, sure. We can do that. Yeah, if you want to. We've got on the docket for today, 3,000 Years of Longing, Barbarian... Pearl and Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Mm. There's a period. Those are two sentences, but it's the title of one movie, so the pause is mandatory. Okay, so Not, but what if it, like, how do you distinguish that pause from a period and a comma? It's Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. So it's a longer. Period. It's a little bit longer than Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. That would okay, be like okay. a comma. Okay, but it's Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Got it. Got Does that it. make sense? Yes. Okay. Uh, but we're not talking about that one first. Let's talk first about Barbarian. Uh, Barbarian is uh, directed by Zach Kreger, who also directed the film called The Civil War on Drugs. It's coming out on September 9th and stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long, who we see for about like five seconds in the trailer. Is that just, I But enough for Bill me Skarsgård. to know that he's in it. No, we see him in like the end tunnel scenes. Oh, okay, okay. Well, um, speaking of the end tunnel scenes... Before we get to that, what is this movie about? Is it just about Justin Long hanging out in tunnels? So picture this, if you haven't seen the trailer. Or if you have seen the trailer, you can also picture this, but you know what I'm describing. A woman is walking alone at night. That's like the title of another movie, I think, at some point. But it's not that movie. (laughs) And it's raining outside, and she approaches the house, and we see, oh, she's doing one of those little, like, code key things. Like a lockbox. Yeah, like a little, like you punch in the code and you get the key out of it or okay. whatever. Not like an so iPad where you have to like, unlock it. No. And so we see like, oh, obviously it's like a short-term rental Airbnb type of situation. Oh, a VRBO. But gasp, the key is not in there. And then she's like, what the heck? This is messed up. And so she rings the doorbell. There's a man inside her rental. And she's like, this is this address, right? How come you're staying here? I booked this place. And the guy inside's like, well, I booked this place. And clearly already my, you know, the alarm bells are ringing. And you're like, this guy obviously like did a fake airbnb or whatever like this guy wants to hurt this girl or whatever somehow right maybe you don't have those alarms at first because the music they're playing is very like rom-commy music oh no alarm bells immediately no you see it and you could immediately a woman's walking alone at night in the rain it's a horror movie no no what if she she walks alone at night in the rain and there's a man and it's raining you know what happens in rom-coms people kiss in the rain i don't know i don't know my alarm bells were ringing well, but, I, I'm saying yes, your alarm bells could ring, but you could also interpret it a different way if you're a less like horror savvy viewer. Okay, but then you would you would instantly regret that. Yes, viewing. But okay. I think that's kind of fun to okay. instantly regret it. You get to go on a journey. Okay, so <laughs> either either you're viewing this as a potentially dangerous situation or potentially a romantic horny situation. <laughs> But um, anyway, the guy talks her into coming inside. They come up with agreement. I'm going to sleep back here on the couch. You can take the bedroom. We'll both crash here for the night because you don't want to go back out in the rain in this bad neighborhood, yada, yada, yada. And the door he gives her is one that locks. Yeah, she locks the door of the bedroom. But gasp, 
cut to black, wake up in the middle of the night. The door to the bedroom is open. Where is he? We hear footsteps running down the hall. She gets led to the creepy basement. Now my your horror film, Alarm yes. Bells, ought to be reading there at you this go. point. It's like the black phone. There's a strange uh, rope on the wall in the basement. She pulls it, and all of a sudden we see this cavernous well, tunnel like leading into the darkness. Yeah, um, What's up with that? Who's got tunnels below their house? Like well-built infrastructure yeah it's like not like when you go to the catacombs and it's like modern day so they have like reinforcements yeah yeah it's like not it's just supposed like to be there. yeah um and so then we get this weird like voice that sounds like narration and like an instructional video like you may think this is weird at first but with time you'll come to see this as a pleasurable process we don't know who this narration is coming from or what process they're talking about and so and it's cutting back and forth between various scenes you of... You see a man crawling frightened, in the tunnels. Frightened faces and flashlights whipping about. <laughs> and so we know that, you know, as always with horror movies, Curiosity kills the cat in this instance. And she ventures into this cave system to figure out what is going on and is well, she met ventures in with purely shock. She hears someone yelling for help down there. Right. So it's a virtuous descent. But also I feel like... I don't know. Personally, I like to think I'm a helpful person. If I'm in a strange house I don't know, and there's a dark, creepy cave system, and I hear somebody calling for help, they're going to figure it out by themselves. I'm out of there. Well, I would definitely call somebody that could help. You know, like the sheriff or something. Ooh, you're going to call the cops, Ryan? What if they're in on it? Jesus. There are some lovely people. (laughs) That could help out. That may or may not have the the badge. Okay. 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 Fair enough. You don't have to call the police. But, you but know. you could call a helper. Regardless, you know, poor decisions are made. Horror ensues. That's the vibe from the trailer. Yeah. And it looks fun. Um, At least for a horror fan. Um, If you were a rom-com fan, this is <laughs> no, not Immediately no. Immediately no. The music even changes. <laughs> they don't have the fun, lovey rom-com song anymore. Um... But I'm excited to see this movie. I don't know the director really. Um, this is the the Civil War on Drugs is the only movie I could find that he directed. He's uh, usually like acting and things, and I think he has like a cameo role in this movie. Oh, interesting. Um, and I haven't seen Justin Long in a long time. Yeah, I don't know too much about the lead Regina Campbell. I like Bill Skarsgård. I thought he did a decent job in the It franchise. Oh, I think he's great as Pennywise. Pennywise. Yeah. Um, I am a really big fan of Justin Long from when he was actually in things um but i haven't seen him around in a while just like you said but i like him in galaxy quest i'd be uh i'd be excited to see more of him um in this film too so yeah i have high hopes for this i feel like with most trailers i have like a random thing that like doesn't really matter to the trailer but makes me like the movie or like the trailer more anyways and in this instance for for barbarian i'm in love with the font they use for the title card Oh, at the it, end. The I'm, font was very reminiscent of Malignant to me from last year. Yeah, it's kind of, but it's a little less like sharp serify and more like rounded and fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really, really dug it. I thought it was cool. Like there's like, like there's just those little things sometimes that mm-hmm. you're like, this is cool. And then it just like takes up an extra little level, even though it has nothing to do with like the actual movie. Yeah. And um, if we're thinking about, if we're talking about the little things that you notice in trailers when you're a trailer connoisseur like we are, um... There were a couple red flags that I noticed um, that could mean this movie isn't going to be great. Um, when your trailer says, from a producer of It. Could be good, could be bad. Or, and 
and executive producer of The Grudge. Could be good, could be bad. Because but, sometimes it's like those are the studios trying to use like a distant connection to get butts in the seats. But it could be that those are like lesser known producers just because they haven't done as much work. That's true. And they might be in a position where they can take more liberties with what they get to work on. So sometimes it's like it's like split a little bit, you know? That's true. But I think it's trying to like get you to think these are the tone and the vibe we're going for without really like giving you any names that you recognize right. besides the movies. Because this director doesn't have a lot under his belt and like who knows random producer names, right? Right. But then sometimes it could be just like from the studio that brought you, right. you know, and that's just like, well, Universal Pictures makes everything. Like, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, exactly. You, like, this is a 20th century studio movie. So, from the studio that brought you The Call of the Wild with Harrison yeah. Ford, right? It's not going to mean the same thing. Um, so, I don't know. I think that's just a little funny when trailers do that. Because, um, some. Especially a producer. Like, I get it when it's like, <clears throat> from the director that brought you. Exactly. Hereditary and Midsummer or something like Ari Aster is like a known like maybe they don't use his name in case people don't mm-hmm. know the name, but they know like those works and it's actually a person that was an important creative figure in the process. Exactly. But just because you're a producer that worked for some studio that produced some movie doesn't mean that you have any like mm-hmm. weight or bring anything creatively to that new project. Another thing is like when people do know the producer's name, um, but they are like only listed as an executive producer and they use that as a selling point in the trailer. Like from executive producer, Sam Raimi. Right. Like <laughs> Sam Raimi, what did you have to do anything with crawl? Like remember crawl? We pretty yeah. reviewed it. That was fun. It's a good movie, but I don't think Sam Raimi really had anything to do with it. Yeah. Or they make you, you think know? like, think that like they're a director process, but they're not like yeah. executive producer. Guillermo del Toro is one oh, that always makes me laugh. He does that a lot. Yeah. He loves to executive produce things. Did he executive produce Pacific Rim 2? <laughs> I don't know. He didn't direct it, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, that, you're so right. That's kind of funny. Um, back to my... Really quick, I had one more comment about the font discussion. Oh, back to the font. I love the font at the end of the title card, but this reminds me of like another little pet peeve, now that we're kind of talking mm-hmm. about them, is I hate when the title card in the actual movie doesn't line up to the title card that's used in the promotional material. Especially if it's, like, a super sick one, like, they use a cool, dope font in, like, the trailer or something, Uh but then when the title actually gets put on screen in the movie, it's, like, some basic-ass, like, aerial font laid over in white, and you're like, that's dumb. Like, the (laughs) the trailer one looks way cooler. You couldn't cut in, like, a two-second screen with that title on there instead. Sometimes I feel like the, like, simplistic font works for a movie. It works for some styles, and if that's what they use in the promotion, mm-hmm. like, it makes sense. But if they have, like, a super cool, dope one that they use for promotional, and then the one in the movie is super basic, I'm always disappointed. Interesting. Well, I guess now that we're on to title cards, we'll just spin this off as long as we can. <laughs> um, what, I, I'm just curious, what do you think about, like, movies that don't give you the title at the beginning? They hold off, and it's, like, the last thing they show you. I'm cool. I'm like cool Marvel movies have been doing that recently. I think they started with like Captain America: Civil War. Like it didn't tell you what movie you were watching until right before the credits rolled, or like even after some of like the big names already starred. Like and then it gives you this really cool title card, and it's like a fun closing credit sequence. But you don't know it. You don't even know what movie you're watching till the end. I don't think you need a title card <laughs> at the front end of the movie. I think that sometimes it works well to have them at the end. Um, like I really liked, uh, the Green Knight's placement of the title card at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it works really well as like a storytelling achievement because the Green Knight was very much like the whole movie was like building up to this is the tale of the Green Knight, right? 
Um, so in general, like, it doesn't really matter too much to me, hmm. but I do like having a title card at some point in the movie. Interesting. Um, well, how do you feel about title cards that are thrown in 30 minutes after the movie starts, a la Drive My Car? Yeah, exactly. Like, sometimes I think that's like pretty an, fun, There's, actually. like, an extended opening scene. Uh-huh. Like, I think people are used to, like, a two to five minute scene, maybe uh-huh. before the title shows up on screen. Um, it's very funny if it were just to happen in the middle of the movie. I think, what is it, um... I think it's Apocalypse Now is, like, one of the only movies that's known to, like, not have a title card. But apparently, I don't know what the legality of this is. Like, apparently movies are, like, have to have the title on screen at some point during the runtime. And so, literally, the only place that it happens in Apocalypse Now is because somewhere in the background of the scene, the phrase Apocalypse Now is, like, graffitied on something in the background. And that's the only place that that title, like, actually appears on screen during the, like, including the credits and everything. Which is kind of weird. That's interesting. I wonder how they get around that with, like, you know, the Star Wars movies. You know, it doesn't say, like, like the title of the movie wasn't Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. It was Star Wars The Force Awakens. Like, right. But in the movie, it's a Star the Wars crawl, right. Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Yeah. So you can intersplice things to, in the middle of your time? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But Star Wars is like one of those movies that is known for, like, breaking those trailer or the not the trailer the like opening credits rules yeah because there were no opening credits for the original one and people didn't like that that was against the rules Ooh. it was like the first movie to not have opening credits they chose to do the crawl mm-hmm. instead and like give the back and then all the credits are at the end interesting and now that's like the routine now it's the standard yeah and speaking of which now i also i enjoy now when i see a movie that has more extended opening credit sequences because mm-hmm. it reminds me of like a bygone era a little bit and Ooh. i like that vibe Opening, if you find like a good opening credit sequence, it's really fun. Like, um, Elf has a fun opening credit sequence. Elf has good opening. Or credits. Vertigo has a good opening credit. Psycho, like the older movies. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, they're fun. I remember distinctly though when I used to watch like probably like the Wizard of Oz, the Wizard of Oz as a kid, like being like, "Why are they putting all this at the beginning of the movie? Isn't this supposed to go at the end?" Because like you grow up with this like. <laughs> Knowing that, like, uh-huh. the end is where the names come on and then you turn off the TV, right? Yeah. But, like, it felt very weird to get, like, a little taste of the movie and then you have to sit through this, like, extended... But it was nice, especially for Wizard of Oz, you get, like, a musical prelude behind it. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of helps to set up, the like, the theming of the film. So, yeah. you know, title cards, credits, all that stuff, they do more to, like, influence the audience than I think most people think that they do. I oh, think no. a lot of times it's, like, Definitely. a little bit more... um subtle or was that like a subliminal i guess yeah uh but it definitely has like a nuanced effect no, on. if audience. you have a good title card or a good opening credit sequence you can like set the tone for your movie perfectly and i think that's really cool and i think more people need to try it out because maybe it's a little scary because it hasn't been done in a while small speaking of scary barbarian let's go see barbarian right now I mean, when it comes out, it's oh. not until September 9th. September 9th. We got a couple. In days. the meantime, go check out that title card. The font, pretty dope. It's probably on the poster that I posted on Instagram already. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, yes. Yes, but not now. Not apparently. now when we're recording. No. That, t- that would be really, you'd be jumping the gun quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't. I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about the next movie, Ryan? Yeah, I guess. Let's keep moving. Yeah. I, w- I wish we were on to the next movie. 3,000 Years of Longing is a film directed by George Miller, who also did the Mad Max series, the Babe series, and the Happy Feet series. He's got talent. He's got diversity. He's got range. He's diversified his profile. Uh, it comes out August 26, 2022, and it stars Idris Elba, Tilda Swinton, and Amito Lagoom. And 
if you didn't catch by the transition, this movie is about a genie. Mm. Tilda Swinton plays a kind of like loner, middle-aged woman Almost that stumbles like upon a retiree. Yeah, like early, like just recently retired though. She's not old. Yeah, stumbles upon an artifact in Istanbul, and releases a giant genie played by Idris Elba, who is able to grant her three wishes. Yeah, and basically from what this looks like, at least from what I'm understanding from this trailer is, she asked the genie, like, tell me about your other like. Yeah, masters she's like, what do people, stories. what do people even wish for? And then we can see all these different kind of like flashbacks. It looks mm-hmm. like we're gonna get these like variety of tales, little like uh, what are those called vignettes mm-hmm. of like um, what other people that have had been masters of Idris Elba's genie may have wished for and how they fared. Yeah, and um. Eventually, they like develop a relationship together. Maybe like not a sexual one or a romantic one, but like one where they're like able to bicker and fight. You know, like maybe not the best relationship. It's a cool dynamic. I didn't know I needed to see Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba on screen together until I saw this trailer, and it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, and um, she's worried because she goes, "There's not a single story about wish wishes that is a caution that isn't a cautionary tale." Um, and he's just like. You gotta wish for whatever you desire, baby. And she's like, everybody has desires. Like, it's this push and pull of the genie is like, ultimately, I have the ability to grant anybody what they want. Everybody has something they want. Let me Mm -hmm. do that for you. And she is taking the very, like, like I think a lot of us would, this very, like, cautious approach. Dialed in, like, logical, like, how do I make sure that this doesn't come back to bite me in the ass? Which makes sense, because she's right. Every tale that we get told about genies and about wishing is very much, like, careful what you wish for. Like, that Mm -hmm. is the um the takeaway of a lot of those types of stories and so it's interesting that this is both a tale about those kinds of stories because we're seeing all these little vignettes of what's happened in in the past Uh um but also a story about what that would look like happening in today's world yeah um i don't know the vibe of this trailer is like chaotic the trailer is so chaotic, so intense. Right? Like, the... From the name, I was expecting something a little bit more, like, artsy, ethereal. like, ethereal, very just, like, uh, flowy, and not light necessarily, like, but just more refined. Mm-hmm. And the trailer is very, like, all the text is moving it's around, like... and the camera's spinning, there's uh-huh. crazy visuals, like, the VFX looks super cool on this. Exactly. And, like, even in the intercut, like, the cards that intercut the movie, like, or the trailer, like, that tell you the name of the movie or that tell you the release date or something like that. Like, the camera isn't still on those cards. It's, like, shaking. Yeah. Like, you feel like you're in the back of, like, a Jeep or something. Um, And there's, like, all these, like... It looks like you're looking at one of those tapestries that are on, like, a college girl's dorm room. Like, with all the different colors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, kaleidoscope best exactly. almost. Yes. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Like, from the name of the movie, you think you're going to get something like Jane Eyre or something like that. But then you get in there and it's more like rock and roll. Like, yeah. you know, like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, honestly, this trailer It's kind also of Mad does... Max vibe. Like, it's close to Mad Max vibe a little bit, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, but I feel like like another word I could use to describe this trailer is horny. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't know if it's just because Idris Elba is like a beefcake. Or... And he's giant. Like, his hand fills up the bathroom. Imagine what else is big. That was his toes. Oh, that in was the his bathroom. toes. <laughs> We're getting even hornier. Beefcake. <laughs> Idris Elba just giving it away for the price of a movie ticket. Um, <laughs> that, that screen cap is just on like celeb feed pics. Oh, Wiki feed. That's right. I wonder what his rating on Wiki feed is. We'll look it up after the podcast. 
that's that's for some alone time <laughs> but anyway like it seems visceral you know is what i'm trying to say like it's about desire it's about longing it's all about but intensity but tilda yeah. swinton isn't she's like trying to push against that but he's saying like no nah, baby look at what all these other people did yeah they were like having orgies don't you want to have orgies yeah and she's like i want to go to the park it's like paralleling the intensity of desire and longing with like the very like sensibility sensibility and like calculatedness and it's like it's very much the like i'm gonna forget what the other word but the stoicism versus like whatever's on the other side of that is like do you do something that's more like reserved more calculated more logical or do something that's more like i don't know bacchanalian exactly um yeah but i don't know i think this movie is at least going to be interesting um i hope it's good i'm definitely intrigued and i will go see it but um i don't know it could Definitely turn... I feel like even the trailer could turn a lot of people off. Oh, yes, for sure. But I also feel like it might turn a lot of people on, winky face. Um, and even just George Miller's involvement, like, they're all very different, but I would say that Happy Feet Babe and Mad Max are all, like, well-directed movies. They're just very different. Uh-huh. But, like, there's a... I mean, it's not consistent, but there's a solid creative voice behind all of them. So, like, that's I true. have faith in him doing something that's now new and original. Yeah, so... Well, uh, it's not... I don't think it's original. I think it's based on a book. Is it based on a book? But it's, like, an original idea in Hollywood, I guess? I don't sure. know. Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> I, well, I'm saying, like, it's not, um... Not it's ba- not, like, like a, a previous a... installment of his, right? Like, it's, it's not, like, a new thing. It's not Babe 3. And everything else that he's directed has been a series, baby, so maybe we'll get 4,000 years longing. Maybe. I don't know. Who I knows? think he has done some standalone movies. I only included the big ones here. Um, but it, I think it's only, like... I think the last movie he did that was a standalone movie also had years in the title. Oh, I don't think it's related. It was like 10 years or something. These are the, this is the only ones that I know of his. Maxi, Baby, and yeah. uh, what's the Happy Feet Kid well, name? And I mean, ultimately, whatever um, he did next, like, I think Mad Max Fury Road is one of the best films of the 21st century. And so whatever George Miller put his name on after that, like, I'm going to go see it regardless. Exactly. Because I want to see what his next Even adventure looks like. Even if Happy Feet 3. Honestly. <laughs> but at least it's Happy Feet 3,000 Years of Longing. <laughs> oh, okay. You saw some of those Happy Feet in the trailer, didn't you, Tyler? Okay. Oh, I thought you just saw those very happy... I saw you just saw those feet, and that made me happy. That's exactly. what that means, right? Um, but I guess, uh, coming off the back of this, like... This movie centers on a very powerful creature, like a, a genie, that can grant and fulfill any desire that you might have. Ryan, if you had three wishes, what would you wish for? Um, I would wish, um, uh, I would wish all those people that said you wouldn't make it to fifty. I yeah. wish. To get, <laughs> I wish for this podcast. To I wish fifty more. Episodes. Fifty more episodes of preview review. <laughs> That's wish one, and after that, fifty more episodes of preview review. After that, last fifty, and then my third wish is um 50 more i don't know maybe a bidet oh okay nice those seem cool all right sure i mean you're gonna buy that online now yeah but if i wish for it amazon's basically a genie okay that's true i don't have to pay for it free bidet free Mm. bidet yeah let's (laughs) go about a magical bidet that travels with you to like any toilet you use Ooh. so you didn't have to be like at home to use the bidet and i don't have to go wherever bother with installing no it. it just is there that's like anytime you wow. sit down to shit it's just there installed already honestly wait a but minute. then it lays with you too so you can't share it with anybody that's the well, like yeah i don't want to share my bidet are you kidding me? that's the idea it's like selfish you're like this is amazing for me but i have no joy because i can't share the magical like mm. 
full of joy anywhere I'm shitting. My butthole is pristine. Amazing. Amazing. Um, But there are some pretty powerful beings that exist from other movies as well, right? Yeah. And so we have to think about which powerful being is the most powerful. The one that can give you the infinite bidet, right? Right, exactly. But he's not... Idris Elba is not on this list. These are ten different characters. Okay. But I have they... the bracket right here. Oh, we're doing a bracket. March Madness style. This is in a bracket August? of ten powerful characters from other movies. Quick disclaimer, this does not include any comic book characters because then it would be just all superheroes, basically. So mm-hmm. this is like ten original characters. Well, maybe not fully original, but yeah, I would think yeah, yeah. not fully original. But ten, ten characters that beings. aren't comic book characters, basically. Um and we're gonna we've divided these up or we've seated these bracket style. It's from a Watch Mojo list. Full transparency. There's our source. <laughs> and Guys, um, this is the top ten most powerful beings. Number ten. We've seated these <laughs> March Madness style, and what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna go through each matchup and decide who wins until we finally crowned the most powerful of powerful beings. Interesting. Well, now that you've taught me about the infinite bidet, I'll have to like take that into take account. Take that into consideration for Which sure. Which one of these could go up against a infinite bidet? Right, right, right. And I think in general, we're just going for like ultimate powerfulness. So it's kind of like who would win a fight or who would like... Yeah, basically, if these two went head-to-head for control of whatever, who would win? For con- the, the, the winner gets for the control infinite of the bidet. bidet. Yes, yes, exactly. That's the prize. Wow. I want to be on this list. Okay, so here we go. First up, two characters that would probably have no use for the Infinite Bidet. The Iron Giant and the T-1000 from Terminator 2. Oh, he's the, like, the bad one in Terminator. Yeah. Not Arnold. The molten, the molten metal, yeah. The, the guy who can go through the yeah. bars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that sounded more like a, uh, like a Transformer Yeah, it was noise. not as good. Okay. Okay, so uh, who would win in the fight, Iron Giant or T-1000? I think I'm going fully T-1000 on this. Iron Giant's big... But D1000's molten. But Iron Giant can fly. That's true. And he's not molten, he's liquid. He's liquid. So That's like, the same thing. Well, no, because they kill him. Molten metal is liquid no, metal. No, because they kill him by putting him in the lava. Yeah, but like, you know what I mean, same thing. So, but but Iron Giant has rocket boots, so can he just okay. like burn him? Fry him? I guess size actually would probably be a distinguishable factor for this. Because if Cause Iron Giant the- could just like... But he, then the liquid metal guy could just go around the fist when he smushes on the ground. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough one. You you throw in a tough one at us for this first draft or this first round. Um, let's see. I don't know. I feel like if T one thousand. See the thing is, T one thousand is pure evil. That's true. And the Iron Giant is capable of love. He's pure good, man. He's a lovely boy. So which which one is more powerful, evil or good? Well, this is a very hmm, philosophical conversation. That is. But also, you got to think about the bidet. Iron Giant can't use that thing at all. T-1000 could at least, like, pretend like they're using it. Because they have a human body. It's not about who can use the bidet. It's, they they will get the bidet if they yeah, win. Yeah, but, like, Iron Giant, knowing that he has no use for it, he might just, like, give the... No, it's about how powerful they are. Okay, it's not like they know they're in a competition for the bidet. Yeah, the bidet just, <laughs> the bidet just happens upon them. Okay. <laughs> By virtue of them being more powerful. Okay, um, I don't know. Okay, Iron Giant is older technology, so I guess T- I T-1000. I think T-1000. I think T-1000. But I think it would be a good my fight. God. I'm going my God. I think it would be a good fight. But okay. yeah, I think T-1000 gets to advance. There we go. I'm circling and drawing them forward. Okay, here we go. Beautiful. Next matchup is Emotep. Emotep. 
from the, the mummy. Pharaoh from the mummy. We love that, Imhotep. You know, is also the mummy then. Versus Optimus Prime. These are the rides from the lower lot in Universal <laughs> it's Studios. True. It's true. They live we next to each other. We should throw the T-Rex from Jurassic World in here. Ooh. But it's too late for that. We already made the bracket. Um, okay, Emotep versus Optimus. Ooh, Universal well, Showdown. Sand. If Sand gets into your technology, it ruins it. It's kind of like, but uh, I don't know. Like if you, I mean, Optimus Prime is like a. Well, he's an alien. Yeah, alien. Can Optimus Prime part of Optimus Prime power also be like? He has the availability of the other Transformers. No, no, it's just Optimus. Okay, but that also means the Mummy can't bring like any of his like plagues oh, or anything, his devil right? Dogs? It's just him. So in that case, I think Optimus Prime is just like. But how do you beat the Mummy? You I don't know. To, There's like some you like, have to get, like, ritual the evil right? of the dead, right? Yeah. So I feel like that makes him. Optimus to Prime beat. can't read. Yes, he can. <laughs> do you know that? Yeah, he can read. He's the leader <laughs> of the Autobots. Show me where he can read. Show me know. where he reads. He's he's from a comic book. The words he has to read the speech bubbles that he says. <laughs> is he from a comic book? This is supposed to be no comic characters. Oh, well, there is definitely a comic. He's uh, done. Imhotep is moving forward Ooh, by, virtue, by, by, by technicality. <laughs> there are definitely Transformer comic books. Damn, watch Mojo fucking sucks. <laughs> Okay, just kidding. Sponsor us if you're listening. Okay. I would love to <laughs> this be in a watch This podcast is brought video. to you by Watch Mojo. I would be in a Watch Mojo video in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh my gosh. They, they wouldn't even have to ask. <laughs> if I knew where they filmed, I would just already be there. I bet they're all remote now. That's true. We could do it right here. Okay, all okay, right. okay. Next. No, 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 no. We gotta keep going. We gotta, oh, okay, we gotta, okay. We gotta no figure out who's Mojo. gonna get the bidet, Ryan. Oh, right. I forgot. Okay, the next matchup is Lord Voldemort from the Harry Potter series okay. versus Godzilla. Does Voldemort get his wand? Absolutely. I think, personally, I think Voldemort takes this one. Oh, like, I think easy if he Any gets his spell, wand. shrink Godzilla down, yeah, and whatever. and then just step on him. Yeah. Easy. I mean, Godzilla could try, but, like, Voldemort could even put up a shield. I'm just saying, like, there's also press. giants and things that are big and smash things in the Harry Potter universe, and that's never been an issue for Voldemort in yeah. that universe. So it's why would it matter like here? It's like a, like, a bipedal dragon that he's yeah, fighting. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. I think Voldemort all the way. Sorry, Godzilla. Okay. And then lastly. Lastly. Well, of the first round. Oh, first round. We have Genie versus Neo. This is the Genie from Aladdin. Robin Williams Genie? Robin Williams Genie. I mean, I guess it could be Will Smith Genie. They kind of have the same or is roles it, and everything. Uh, Dan Castellaneta Genie. No, not that one. From Return not of that Jafar. One. <laughs> not that one. But he's Homer Simpson. I say for the sake of this, it's uh, Robin Williams' genie. It's gotta be genie. Because he's the best genie. The thing is, is like, oh, you're talking about which genie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who would win the fight? I think genie still... The genie can't kill, so that's like not great. But he could trap for him. For a fight. He could trap him or whatever. Also, Neo only exists... Well, I guess he exists out of the Matrix, kind of. But he only has his like powers out. In, in the Matrix, right? right? And so, like, if genie can just, like make that that alien race not exist anymore or make the matrix not exist anymore neo has like no power he's just a guy you know what i mean yeah but if they were in the matrix i feel like neo could destroy <laughs> i'm just imagining like <laughs> genie in a little pod he comes out <laughs> out of the matrix pod he has to deconnect oh the, the stem from his neck the like Three thousand years. The like years. green and black <laughs> aesthetic of the Matrix films, and then you just have this blue fucking guy floating <laughs> around. Oh my gosh! I don't know. Neil's a great character, and any other matchup, I think he stands a chance. Yeah, 
I but, don't know. Okay, like, but even in the Matrix, I feel like Genie can do some crazy things. Like, I feel Neo, like, like Genie can literally do anything. That's true. Like he could make a, a million Neos or like whatever, you know. Ooh, they but the thing is, is Genie free. also needs a master. Not always, because he's free at the end. And he at does... the end, so is it free Genie? Free guy? Well, if we're doing, well, what version of Neo then are we doing? Because if it's Neo at the beginning of the Matrix versus Genie at the beginning of the Matrix, that's a completely different. Or Genie at the beginning of Aladdin. Yeah. That's just a I think hacker versus a I lamp. think it's Genie. I think we have to go with them at their full power set. Yes. And I think Genie has a wider okay, great. amount of tools. Great, 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 great. Okay. All right. So we've set everybody up from the first round. round but two. we do have some new entrants because we're working with 10 people. So now uh, some people we haven't. Yeah. We haven't touched our first or second seed yet. But we'll get there in this round. This round features Darth Vader versus the T-1000. I think Darth Vader wins. I think Darth Vader wins with, I mean, with a lightsaber. Well, look at it. Uh, Which one of them survived being thrown into a pit of lava? Only one of them. (laughs) And that wasn't even Darth Vader's Darth Vader. That was just Darth Vader's Anakin. Well, he he was going by Darth Vader at the time. No, but that's what I'm saying, like... Then you like he have, like, robot Darth all the robot shit and all and the years got, like, of, like, ruthless killing. You yeah. can just rip that guy apart. Yeah. Okay, and now we also have Is the reason Sauron. Sauron from... From the Lord of the Rings series. Okay. Versus Emotep. They're similar. Emotep only won from... A technicality? A technicality. Oh, I think Sauron wipes the floor. Depends. Is Sauron just the magic eye, or is he the fighter, or does he have his army? What What is... At his, oh, a, I don't know. That's a good question. It's also made me realize that up until you asked this question, I was picturing Saruman. No, no, Sauron. Instead of the Sauron. Giant eye. I know, I know now. <laughs> but like picturing in my head, I was like, oh, that's a Christopher Lee. No, no, no. But no, I see that now. Um I think it's like Sauron at his the height of power when he wasn't it's not just the eye, but the height of power as he was like the sorcerer when he had the ring. Okay. Would be like again, height of its height of his power, right? Yes, and that's what we're going for here. Um yeah, Hide of His Power, Sauron beats Hide of His Power, Emotep. Uh, Sauron can just, like, find whatever spell or lore he needs to yeah. destroy Emotep, and it's done. Yeah. Sorry, Plus, Emotep. Plus, Sauron only... Sauron said, no man will kill me. But Emotep's a mummy. Emotep's not... But he was a dude. He's still got a wee-wee. But mummy is a feminine term. Okay, that's... No. Okay. <laughs> like mommy. mommy okay, Emotep. we're down to the semifinals. I'm going to tell you the the matchups first, and then we can discuss. Okay, okay. Darth Vader versus Voldemort. Sauron versus Genie. Okay. Um, let's see. Darth Wait. Vader, Voldemort is interesting. I think I'm leaning Voldemort. Yeah, because... Somehow? Well, Voldemort can cast... I love Vader, but... Voldemort casts the Killing Curse. I mean... Vader can't block that. I mean, it dep- I mean... Yeah. There's no force magic that's an insta-kill like that. That's true. I mean, the question is, like, would Darth Vader be able to, like, choke out Voldemort or, like, you know, use the force to get the wand away from him, force choke him, just, and then, you know, swing the lightsaber. It would be a fair fight. I think there would be... But I think Voldemort would come out on top. I think so, too. Voldemort can apparate, too. Vader has to, like, walk or fly everywhere within a spaceship. Yeah, that's true. Voldemort can just apparate behind him, zap him with the Avada Kedavra. It's okay, over. Okay. so we got Voldemort moving forward then. And then we've got Sauron versus Genie. Again, Genie can't kill, and Sauron is like, I'll do whatever it takes. But, so that is a problem for me. 
However, all Sauron is is like really ultimately like he's got magic, but he's a dude with a sword. Uh-huh. And if Genie can just wisp around, yeah, Genie what's he gonna also do? Just like makes his... causes a rock slide or whatever yeah. and wipes or him like out, poofs his rings of power away. You know, that's true. And Genie's not a man because he's right. not human. All right, Genie's moving up. Then. I think so. I think Genie could do it. Like he doesn't have to kill people to win the fight. I mean, ultimately, Genie helped stop Jafar. Yeah, he put him in the and genie Jafar ball. is kind of like Sauron, right? Yeah, like, well, not as powerful, but yeah. I mean, like a magic yeah, a sorcerer, a sorcerer man. Yeah. So, sure. Okay, and I, I think you just talked me into who wins the final round. The last matchup: Genie versus Voldemort. You just told me Genie beats a magic. Man. This is a three thousand years of longing game, so I feel like it's only right that we give Genie the win and thereby the magical bidet. The bidet. He could even make it himself. He doesn't need it. Voldemort could use that. Voldemort, don't wash his ass. No! Voldemort's a grimy boy. Voldemort, you need the bidet. Tom Riddle is a grimy boy. But too bad, Genie, you've won the bidet. Uh, good one's out in the end. How about that? Yeah, see, we asked what's what's more, more powerful, powerful, and we've got our answer. There we go. Love. Well, let's stop talking about good and talk more about evil. But we are talking about love. Okay. This is the trailer for Ty West's Pearl. Ooh. Now you're like, Ty West. That name sounds familiar. Did we talk about a movie of his somewhat recently? And the answer is yes. Oh, really? Because just earlier this year, he released the movie X. And now is also putting out Pearl, which is a prequel to the movie X. Okay, if you're going to do a prequel to the movie X, why is it not called W? I know, I know. But it's called Pearl because that's the name of the main character or the, the main antagonist in the movie X. And this is kind of like their origin story. It's like a Better Call Saul oh. situation. Better Call Saul was the antagonist of Breaking Bad? No, no, no. It's a prequel focusing on one character, expanding on their origin story. Okay. Cool. I, I understand. I actually saw a cool Reddit thread about how how Better Call uh, Saul, Jimmy McGill, is the protagonist of all of Breaking Bad. Walter White is the antagonist. And seeing both series in alignment helps mm. to flesh out the arc. I'll talk to you about it later. Better Call Saul, great show. Here we go. Welcome to our new podcast. This is the TV sidebar. Oh, they already took Talking Saul. Chris Hardwood's got that. What's ours called? Preview Review. TV sidebar. TV sidebar. Famously, the famous <laughs> spinoff of Preview <laughs> Review. TV, TV side- sidebar. It's, it's on our Patreon. It's behind the paywall. <laughs> this is just a little taster for free. Better Call Saul. Amazing. Great series finale. Love the final season. No notes. Rhea Seahorn needs the Emmy. Your thoughts, Ryan? I love it. I love Better Call Saul. But I haven't seen the new spinoff, Slippin' Jimmy's Animated No, I haven't seen that either. <laughs> so, I don't know about that one. I don't have AMC+. Plus. Who does anymore? Better Call Saul's over. I canceled it already, <laughs> <Exactly>. actually. <laughs> um, yeah, this has been TV Sidebar. Thank you, and good night. Um, back to Pearl. So, anyways, Ty West puts out X earlier this year, but it was actually at the end of the movie X that we got a little trailer for this new movie. So I think what happened was Mia Goth is playing this character and either in collaboration with Ty West or maybe even on her own came up with this origin story for this character and they actually shot these movies back to back. Which I think um, was very smart because they got the same sets. Like it looks exactly the same as X. Exactly. And it just takes place, what, like 50 years prior. Um, and it's the story of the old woman from X that ended up being the crazy axe murderer. Spoilers for X. Killed out. Well, I mean, if it's even in the trailer, I think, uh, you know, how 
she came to be this uh, kind of crazed psycho killer. That's what we're getting from Pearl. Yeah, so basically Pearl is this young woman who's living in, like, what, the... Like, it's gotta be, like, the 20s? Early, like, yeah, the 20s, maybe? Because I'm gonna... Maybe well, with, No, I think it's a little later. Because uh, X took place in the 70s, right? Yeah. 70s or 80s. And I would say it's about 50 years prior. Okay. Maybe sure. 60 years prior. So it's, like, the 1910s, 1920s era. Yeah. Era. Early, early days. Early 20th century. Um, And she... All she wants is love and attention. Um, But she'll do anything to get that. Which means killing animals... For some reason. Yeah. Um, she wants to be like a movie star. She wants to be famous. She wants she everybody to know her model. name. She wants but to be then, loved. Yeah. And there's like this weird... I think... I mean, a lot of X also was even about like purity culture. And so there's a lot of this like caught up in that time era. Like what a woman should and shouldn't do for attention. Shouldn't shouldn't do with her body. And I think also Pearl just has some naturally like psychopathic tendencies towards violence. And we see her take that out on animals and eventually also people. And that's where we get... This deranged woman that will do anything to, um, I don't know. Be famous, be loved. Be famous, be loved, be cared for, and eventually in the events of X, take out these teens that are just horny shooting a porno because she's like, how come, how come y'all are, y'all are attracted to each other and no one's attracted, no one wants to fuck me? Got him. (laughs) Dead. That's it. Yeah. So this one looks interesting. Like you get to see some of her origins of like, Oh, I'm gonna feed someone to the crocodile for the first time, or oh, yeah. I'm gonna, some of like... the events of X kind of have these parallels, uh-huh. and you see a lot of like X, like there's like the X tape mark that she goes and stands on for her audition. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of nods to this existing in the universe of yes. this other film as and well. And she like is watching one of like the first porn movies or something like that. Is this gonna be legal? She says. He goes one day, and we know because X happens. Yeah. She goes, oh, I saw it when it was illegal. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm really excited for this, mostly because I thought Mia Goth, and Mia Goth stars as Pearl. She plays Pearl, like, as an old woman in X, as well as a younger character. She has dual roles in that film as one of the younger characters in that movie as well. And so, um, her performances, both of them in X, were one of my favorite parts. Oh, definitely. And so I'm really excited to see Pearl because I think her expounding on that performance and getting able to play this character um, without all the like crazy prosthetics and old person makeup, uh, will be really cool to see. But it's also funny because she looks just like her character did in the first movie. But you have to remember that it's technically a different person. Different, different person. What do you think? Do you think they're gonna have a third one where the character from X grows old, and it's like the oh, sequel? Oh, I don't know. Where Mia Goth gets th- to put the old makeup back on. I think this is kind of gonna be the last chapter of this X of the saga. Xiverse. But. I love this. Like, I'm excited to see Pearl. I think the story looks cool. Like, I really enjoyed X. I don't know if... I'm not sure yet if I'll like Pearl more or less than X. It looks cool. I, I think like it could vibe. go either way for me. But... And, like, even in the trailer, like, the tone that the trailer's setting, like, and the way that things are shot, it, like, feels like an older movie. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, even, like, the ha- hyper, like, coloring... Like the saturation and the saturation. Yeah. Uh-huh. It looks feels like, like very Wizard of Oz exactly, to me. that's yeah. what I was thinking. So... That's very cool to see in a modern film. And just ultimately, like, on a macro level, this idea of, like, Ty West shooting this movie, shooting a prequel back-to-back, surprise announcing the prequel at the end credits of the original release. Like, it's so cool to me. Like, I've been waiting for something like this. Like, I just think, like, new and creative, like, strategic, like, rolling out of movies in a world that's so dominated by, like, 
huge multi-million dollar marketing campaigns and like mm-hmm. we know about all these Marvel movies a decade before they even come out and like hey, King we Dynasty. have all these planned shit like over and over again that is I mean sometimes it's cool to know what series are working on well in advance but it's also just amazing to have a creative director that says you know what I'm just gonna drop this other movie on you and they're both gonna come out the same fucking calendar year and it's cool like that's so neat that, like A24 as a studio is like yeah, sure, you want to take a chance on an original horror feature, and you want to shoot a prequel at the same time, and you want to release them both within, like, the same seven year? months of Go each other? Go for it, dude. Let's do it. I know. Like, I think that's really cool as A24 as a studio to, like, back yeah. their creatives like that. Yeah, and I'm already excited for whatever the, like, dual disc, like, Blu-ray bundle will look like for this, because you know what's going to happen, and I'm very excited. I don't have X on Blu-ray yet, maybe. You just made me think. Maybe you I'll maybe wait, wait yeah. to see if I can Because they got to do it. Right, That'd be cool. It would like be called they the tagline in this is like an extraordinary story or something like that. But like X is like it's extraordinary spell drawn because it's just X. Yeah. Um, so maybe like the bundle is like you know an extra fabulous yeah so Blu-ray like that. bundle. And yeah. I'm like, ooh, I love. I can already Blu-ray imagine where it's like bundles. it's one like or it could be one Blu-ray like what was that called cassette or whatever disc? Not disc, but one case, case I guess. But like the front and the back both the front and back of it both like front covers and oh. one's the front cover at Vax and one's the front cover at Pearl. You'd have to do like the whole like, like it's 180, a 180s yeah. That'd be fun. Um, I wonder I hope they don't do this because like it's a throwback to an era of like physical media that I don't love is where the disc is it's just one <laughs> what disc. About the VHS? <laughs> no it's just one disc and one side of the disc is X and the other oh, side yeah. is Pearl. I'm like you have to hold it so perfectly or else you're going to smudge yeah. one side. Uh, I remember my copy of The Princess Bride on DVD oh, was no. like that because one side was The Princess Bride in widescreen and one side was it in full screen. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, why would I ever choose full screen? Yeah, what the... <laughs> Dang. But yeah. Um, so I hope... If you're going to do that, A24, whoever does your distribution for your Blu-rays, uh, never yeah, mind. Yeah, separate no, discs. Separate discs, please. Yes. Um, but yeah, and Pearl, Pearl comes out on September 16th and I'm really excited for this one. When did... I think X was like maybe like a it was in March release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so six months oh, apart. Did we ever talk about X? Wait, maybe we didn't. I don't see it on here. Yeah. We didn't talk about X. It's a great movie, and everybody should watch it. It's currently in my like top ten movies I've seen this year. Very good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, it's a lot of... Well, it sounds weird to call the movie fun, because it's a like horror porno, but it is fun. <laughs> we need to start dubbing a new genre of like scary movies that are also sexy. It's... It's horny and horror. Hornorny. Horn- horny. Hornorny. Just horrorny. It sounds like you want to roar, which is a very horny thing. <laughs> you know what else you can do instead of roar? You can honk. For who? Jesus. Whoa, that's like a good Save turn. your soul. I'm a freaking sinner. Yeah. Over you, here. I'm going to horny jail. Repent. <laughs> um, honk for Jesus. Save your soul. Uh, it's a film directed by Adama Ibo uh, in their directorial debut that comes out on September 2nd, starring Regina Hall, Sterling K. Brown, and Austin Crute. And this movie looks like so much fun. I laugh every time I watch this trailer. And I've seen it quite a bit recently. They yeah. must really be plugging this. I think Jordan Peele's serving as a producer and kind of off the back of Nope, I've been seeing a lot of stuff from like Monkey Paw trying to like mm-hmm. sponsor this trailer to get yeah, it out there. It's a Monkey Paw production, uh, but basically what this movie is, it's a, it's like a mockumentary, which you don't get to see much anymore. Like, it used, I feel like there was a peak of mockumentary. There was like a peak of mockumentary films for a while, like with the Spinal Tap and like Best in Show, like all those mm-hmm. like Christopher Guest type movies. Yeah. Um, 
And then obviously mockumentary sitcoms are very popular in the vein of The Office and Parks and Rec. And um, High School Musical, the musical, the series does it because that's the thing that's to do. That's the formula now. Right? But, that's what Modern Family did. It doesn't make sense for the show, <laughs> but that's just the formula that's popular. Well, I, mean, I mean, What We Do in the Shadows is actually doing a great job. What We Do in the Shadows is they, different. They do like really good. They actually involve the mockumentary like, creators. Yeah, and it's um, fun. It's not like when The, the Office did it. People didn't Shut like it when The Office I did love it. The Office. I'll but what's it. that cameraman's name dying. from season eight? Oh, I don't know his name, but it doesn't matter because he's a dick. See? No one liked it when he <laughs> came into the show. <laughs> but they did. I mean, the, it paid off. The mockumentary aspect of The Office paid off That's at the true. end of the series. It did not it pay off. It didn't just exist for no reason. It did not pay off in Modern Family. There was no explanation. You just followed this family around for ten years with a camera crew, apparently. Because. <laughs> Anyways... I was really excited when this trailer came on and I realized it was mockumentary format because it felt like I hadn't seen a movie like that in a while and I'm yeah. stoked for it. I mean, What We Do in the Shadows um, might have been the last movie that I saw like that because it is a uh, mockumentary right, yeah, movie. Yeah, that's true. The, the film, the original film. But what's the subject of this mockumentary, yeah. Tyler? This film centers on Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown who play husband and wife and Sterling K. Brown plays like the disgraced former pastor of like a mega church. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't so know we can why see, like, he's disgraced. It, it just says like he's under investigation for misconduct or something like that. Yeah, and misconduct. Or allegations of anything, misconduct or whatever. You know? It could and be then, like money laundering. It could be, you know, fake healing. It could be sexual. It could be violent. Yeah. But we never know. And he doesn't seem like he's. We don't like, know. He seems a little sleazy. But... Yeah, but he doesn't seem like disgraced or like he's like a hardcore criminal in any exactly. way. Exactly. But it really seems like we're seeing this documentary from through the lens of Regina Hall, who's saying, like, I am the devoted wife that's staying by my husband through all this. We're going to try and rebuild a new church, hopefully get a new congregation to come in. Um, and, like, I'm going to be, like, she says, like, not everyone's cut out to be a first lady, but I'm going to be, like, by my man's side kind of through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the frame of reference that we get for the mockumentary. Um, but ultimately it looks like a lot of fun just poking, like, I don't know, poking well, fun at satirizing a little bit of like the mega church and even a little bit more like the black church experience. Well, even to a broader extent, it seems like making fun of people that like try to present like they have it all together, but you peel a little bit back and you see like, Oh, they're just like, you know. They're just everyday people. Yeah, they're yeah. just like everybody else. They yeah. step in gum. But like, I think they have the nuances and the subtleties of like pastors that dress very flashy, mm-hmm. and they have like the like the charismatic oh, like, speeches. Bless your heart, but which also means like fuck you, you're a bitch. Like Ooh. these little things that like interactions that like people that are familiar with church spaces like may recognize as like oh yeah that's like a little thing that is like shorthand for this or whatever that's funny uh that you mentioned that joke because that same exact joke is in vengeance oh yeah yeah uh totally like someone says bless your heart and he goes oh thank you and someone comes up and he goes that translates to fuck you but i'm pretty excited for this one i think just from the trailer regina hall and sterling k brown's comedic performances look amazing it seems like they both really captured this like kind of wild exuberant energy but also kind of like this side eye like what the fuck is happening like i'm never really quite sure (laughs) type of scenario um but i also think this is like meeting a moment that um is strangely like prolific there's been quite a lot of like documentation and reports coming out about like abuse of power and accusations of misconduct from pastors and megachurches Mm -hmm. recently like there was a docuseries about hillsong and there's been that incredible podcast series from christianity today about the rise and fall of Mars Hill Church, um, pastored by Mark Driscoll. 
um, back in like the mid two thousands, I think, mm-hmm. um, and just really like chronically like documenting this like systems of power where pastors are given so much like wiggle room and so much freedom and so much respect that they really ultimately can do like anything they want and that can create like a lot of gray area where they don't have much accountability and they don't have much like um feedback uh, to improve themselves as people and so i'm really interested to see what this does in terms of telling the story of sterling k brown and virginia hall what does a couple do how do they respond to accusations of misconduct um, and how do they try to either sweep those under the rug or kind of come to grips with the reality that maybe they haven't been acting in the best way possible? And how do you as a person try and improve yourself and improve your standing and improve your situation? Yeah. And also, how do you bring your congregation back to you once you have fallen from grace? But then right. you are acting like nothing's wrong. You know? Yeah. Like putting on airs like, I'm hot shit and you all should be here. I don't know why you're not here tithing yeah. so I can afford my Rolex. Yeah, come on. Don't you still have faith in me? Don't you believe in me? Uh-huh. When ultimately, like, the congregation isn't being asked to believe in any specific pastor. They're being asked to believe in God, right? Exactly. And so it's this very, like, I don't know. It's this very delicate dance, I think, that they're they're performing here in this film where they're, like, critiquing but also, like, pointing out that this can be a very real issue in instances of abuse of spiritual and religious power. Yeah, and... Um, I guess we have to talk about why the movie's called Honk for Jesus, or at least the scene it comes from. Yeah. Um, so there's the scene where they're like putting up a new sign for the church or something like that, and Regina Hall is holding a poster that says like Honk for Jesus against like a busy free or like street or something like that, and she's getting like one or two honks. Yeah. And Sterling K. Brown looks at her and he's like, "You're never gonna get enough people honking just for the sign. You gotta shake yeah. your body, shake it for the Lord." Exactly. So like, where like. Is that really what yeah. the Lord is calling you to do? Is to like, what extent are you, you willing know? to compromise yourself and your own convictions just to get, like, what you want, ultimately? Exactly. And, like, the honks aren't going to help the church at all, right? It's just because they want that validation that comes yeah. with, like, oh, people are honking totally. and they believe in us still. Right. When that's not really yeah. what being a pastor should be about. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting. It's a fun, like twist like comedic twist on a very serious topic yeah i think clearly there are like two distinctive and they're not like mutually exclusive but there's kind of two readings of this that's like one is like funny satire comedy and one is like mm, actually kind of poignant think piece mm-hmm. um and this film can be a little bit of both and that's okay and well, that's what i hope it excited is to see it yeah you me know? too i yeah. think always comedy ultimately does its best when it lands coming from a place of truth and i think that this looks like it's doing that and so i'm excited to see this Again, I just have to shout out Regina's Hall, Regina Hall's performance in the trailer alone. I'm so excited to see her on screen with this. Yeah. I mean, both Regina and Sterling look like they're eating here. Like, <laughs> I love it. Me too. Um, and this film, Ryan, it's kind of strange. We haven't seen this in a while. Is being released both in theaters as well as streaming exclusively on Peacock. On the same day? On the same fucking day. This is a throwback. This is a pandemic special it's a throwback. It's a pandemic throwback. Back to when uh, Warner did this for a What's whole year. Like that? You remember that? Um, so yeah, this is... We're, we're kind of entering a new stage of movie going. Where... It feels like Peacock's been trying to up their, like, original film. Like, they're like, okay, you subscribe to us to watch The Office. But now, look, we have, like, exclusive content now. Like, I keep getting promos for that they slash them movie with Kevin Bacon that they're trying to promote. I Maybe think, that's just because I'm a horror fan. But I think the title for that movie is actually very funny. Yeah, it is pretty funny. Um, but, yeah. We're in, like, a new era of streaming of media conglomerates 
Um, where movies, like, studios are thinking, like, how do we make our money back? Is the money in streaming or is it in the theaters? And, like, some people, like Universal, say maybe it's both, you know? We're going to put the movie out on theaters and we're going to put it out in Peacock. They did the same thing with Halloween Kills last year. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, and they did it with The Boss Baby and they did it with Marry Me. Um, like, it's not uncommon for this to happen. Um, but then sometimes movies go straight to streaming. Like, Prey was a 20th century straight film that went straight to Hulu. They slashed them. But then we just talked about Barbarian, another 20th century uh, horror film that's, that's not going, going straight to Hulu. It's going to theater. So, like, I'm just trying to figure out why, what executive office. I think like, they're pulling them out know, of the hat at this point. Like, I've heard the argument for Prey is that, like, since there's, like, a pre-existing deal with 20th century before the merger with Disney, that any film that is put on 20th Century Studios label that is released in theaters then must stream on HBO Max afterwards for a certain mm. time period. That's why the Bob's Burgers movie is on HBO and, and Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. So maybe Disney was thinking, we don't want HBO to have any prey money. We're going to put it all on Hulu. Interesting. Um, but yeah, with these mergers and things like that, uh, I don't know if you've seen this stuff, Tyler, with... Especially the Warner uh, so this Discovery. So there's a Warner Discovery merger because I know there's been so many. I've already saw it on Twitter just today, I think, like multiple things where they're saying like these movies are no longer going forward at HBO Max. Exactly. Um, I think one of them was an animated Batman film and one of them was like, um, it was some like, uh, there was like the Amazing World of Gumball movie. They're aiming for the movie? And <laughs> apparently it's Not already anymore. like made or like in process and they're shopping it out to other studios now oh interesting i hadn't read about that but the big news uh with this it new merger one right Batgirl yeah. and scoob 2 oh no one talks about scoob 2 yeah um but still these movies were like basically finished um and david zasloff david zasloff is our new villain tyler he is the the ceo of warner brothers discovery he came over from the discovery side and he said there's too much of a deficit here. We are in debt to save money. We're going to cancel a bunch of things and write them off as tax mm. write-offs. So Batgirl has become a tax write-off, even though it's a wow. completed film. Same with Scoob. I saw, interesting, there was like the director of Scoob 2, like tweeted out a picture like a week after they announced that his movie had been canceled, um, that the whole like orchestra and like composer were there and they had to still record the score because they had already paid for the like musicians and the studio space so they're like well we might as well record the score for a movie no one will ever see wow um, like um it's also like their are original movies on hbo max like uh the witches we preview reviewed that last year it doesn't exist anymore it's not on hbo max what yeah they took it off and same with an american pickle the seth rogan movie where uh -huh. he like pickled himself it's kind of funny but you can't watch it anymore they're gone all the originals well not all of them oh. just some Interesting. And people are speculating. It's I did end up watching The Witches, the remake. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad you did because you're not no, going to be able to anymore. <laughs> um, but people are speculating it's because they don't want to have to pay residuals or re uh, what's it called? Um, I think that's right. Residuals? Yeah, I think there's another word that I'm thinking of too, but basically residuals. Royalties? Royalties, yeah. To uh, the like people that made that movie anymore. Oh. Like, this is a cost-cutting... Because every effort. time that we get streams, they would have to pay a certain like, amount. maybe. I don't know how it works. Wow. But then that happened to, like, a bunch of animated shows, too. Like, Warner Animation is tanked because of this. Like, Infinity Train is gone. And Close Enough is gone. Like, they're just not on HBO anymore. 
on HBO Max. Like, you can't watch them anywhere. Like, you could buy them on, like, iTunes, I think. That's crazy. That's the only way you can do it. Wow. Um, And, I don't know, it's interesting to see, like, we thought streaming was going to be, like, the savior, right? It's going to, like, help film preservation because these movies are going to be on there forever. Well, at the very least, it was the life raft that got studios through the pandemic, being able to make some income, being able to have some outlet for these releases mm-hmm. when people couldn't go to the theater for a while. But now it feels like it's become this kind of, like, weird, like, self-destructive dragon a little bit. Like, we gave yeah. it too much power, and now it's kind of well, consuming everything in its path. It, the real interesting thing is David Zasloff seems to have, like, the exact opposite mentality of whoever the CEO of Warner Brothers... I guess AT&T, because Warner was owned by AT&T at the time, during the pandemic. Because they're like, we're going to put all the movies on streaming, and it's going to bolster our streaming site. Mm-hmm. And now he's saying... We're not going to put any of our big movies on streaming because the money's in the theaters, which is nice to hear as someone who likes to go to the theaters, but it's also sad to hear as someone who like, you know, doesn't like films to just disappear off the face of the earth. Right. There's a balance between like being smart with upcoming releases and trying to get those into the theaters as much as possible. And then like erasing part of pieces, like people's body of work that's already been done and already been published. And for the sake of a tax write off or like, budget cutting. Yeah, or even like erasing the work before it's got gotten to be seen, right? Like Batgirl. Yeah. Like the all the people that worked on that, all their work, we'll never know if it like meant anything. You know? Yeah. Um, which sucks. But I think you know, I don't think this is happening with Peacock. You know, they're just I don't understand what the strategy is with releasing some of their movies on peacock and some not i don't know who's gonna get peacock to watch honk for jesus well but... it feels like this questionable thing where they're like let's see like people that maybe don't want to go to the theater will watch it at home people that want don't want to watch it at home will go to the theater but it's like it feels very much like you're just cannibalizing yourself like just put it in theaters get people to go to the theater or just put it on streaming and get people to get your streaming site to watch the movie if they care exactly. that much like both of those feel like very comparable barriers to entry i feel like it made sense during the pandemic right Right, because but you, now it's like doesn't really make sense yeah. anymore. Um, and another thing is that like these people like it's it's cool to have like your movie go to your streaming platform after a couple like months, right? Like Disney does that, right? I think it's forty five days, and then the movie is on Disney Plus. Like, so you have that group of people that knows like, oh, I'm not gonna go to the theater to see Doctor but, Strange. Yeah, in a month and a half, because I'll watch it on Disney Plus yeah. and I already pay for that. Um. But now Warner is taking this new strategy. They had that same idea. And I think because the Batman didn't, like, make a billion dollars, they took that away. Elvis's 45-day window was up. It's not on HBO yet. Mm. It's a Warner film. But you can, like, the 45-day window ended, and now you can, like, rent it from iTunes. Yeah. So they're, they're just, trying like, to milk out the theater profit. Mm-hmm. Which I think is smart. I think, like... Maybe it can be a case-by-case thing for movies. Like, if your movie tanks in the box office... Throw it out, You know, yeah. put it on your streaming service after 45 days, because, like, you're not going to make any more money at the theater. Mm. But, like, if your movie's doing well, and Elvis is doing well, like, see how far the train rides, yeah. right? And like, ultimately, like, I get it. Like, as something that will miss things in the theaters occasionally, I like to go back, got back and be able to watch stuff on, on streaming when it comes out. But, like, it's not... I don't have any reason for, like... Once I miss it in theaters, it doesn't matter to me if it's on Hulu the next month or if it's on Hulu six months from now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll get to it when I get to it. Exactly. And so I think this is also a little bit more of, like, trying to meet, like, the cultural moment of, like, impatience and immediacy and trying to be, like, 
mm-hmm. oh, like, let's get it out there as soon as possible so people can start watching it and talk about it. It's like, no, it's okay. Maybe there's, like, in nine months or a year and a half, maybe there's a resurgence of, like, have you seen this underrated movie on Hulu? It's really good. No one saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. And it's cool that movies get to have that second life. Um, I think, honestly, like, the studio that's doing the best with this right now is Paramount. Like, they waited. They didn't put Top Gun Maverick on Paramount Plus during the pandemic. They, like, waited. They knew they had a hit with this movie. And they did. It's the biggest movie of this year. It's made over a billion dollars. It's still in the top five box office in, like, three or four months after it came out. Yeah. Um. And it's not going straight to, like, it, it, the 45-day window has passed, and it's not on yeah. Paramount Plus yet. Um, so I think they know what they're doing. Ironically, like, Paramount Plus is probably, like, one of my least favorite streaming services. It's not um, that bad. I get to watch Big Brother on it. Yeah, it's got Big Brother and Star Trek. <laughs> That's it. Um, like, okay, cool. Um, but, like... It has Drag Race, too. That's what we watch. Oh, okay. You and Veronica, not you and me. We no. don't watch that. It's no. okay. The other we. Yeah. The royal we. Oh, Queen Veronica. All pale. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so I think there is a healthy balance you can have, and I think maybe taking it by a case-by-case basis is the way it works. Like, I don't know. It seems to be working for Paramount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope they'll figure it out. It's definitely just, like, it's continuing this wave, as in, like, every other industry right now, this, like, post-pandemic uncharted territory that, like, what the fuck do we do now coming out of this, like... Things are different. People's mm-hmm. habits are different in general. And it's just a constantly changing landscape. But yeah. I think studios are just figuring out what to do. Yeah. But let us not go without saying that RIP to HBO's budget. We all know what caused their downfall. It's Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal. Oh my gosh. I haven't started watching it yet, but I saw this funny tweet. And Zaz- David Zasloff came out and said that he's like, since he's from Discovery, he wants to have a bigger focus on non-scripted content yep. over scripted content. And... Um, I just saw this tweet and it was like a gif of like somebody sweating and it said David Zasloff trying to figure out if the rehearsal is scripted or not scripted. (laughs) Truly, once you start watching it, you will see the budget for this show is absolutely, it's insane what they put behind it. Um, the, the episodes get like astronomically more unhinged as the series season goes along. Are we back to our famous TV sidebar? It got renewed for a season two. Like it's already been confirmed that they're going to work on season two. The funny thing is the day they announced that was uh, getting a second season. They took 200 episodes of Sesame Street off HBO Max. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So it said one season of the rehearsal is worth 200 it episodes of Sesame Street. It truly feels like it's just like, now that all these conglomerates, I mean, like, yes, the streaming services all got, like, divided up to their own, like, individual properties or whatever. But also, like, the things that are side by side on some platforms, like, Warner, like, the rehearsal side by side Sesame Street. It's like... I would never think those two things exist in the same universe, and yet they not only exist on the same umbrella, they're now being used as bartering chips, like, <laughs> in exchange for each other. I'm like, I don't know how to equate one season of the rehearsal to a number of episodes of Sesame Street. It's like, worth 200 episodes. It doesn't episodes. make sense to me. But it's this calculus that I would have never thought would need to happen. Like, maybe you could think of it in terms of, like, I don't know, A24 films or, like, classic Star Wars films. Like, those make sense together. Not those two things together, oh. but just, like, oh, like you know, w- within each other. Okay. But not these two, like, very different types and genres of television. Well, that's what Disney Plus is outside of the U.S. I like, guess so, yeah. In it's freaking, like, like, South America, like, Prey was a Disney Plus original. Wow. Like, wild, Crazy. right? 
you know, you can watch Prey and then you can go watch, uh, you know, what's her name? Vampirina. Ooh. Well, Bluey. Oh, yeah. Bluey's, Bluey's big right now. Bluey's real good. I haven't seen Bluey. Ooh, we watched some Bluey sometimes. It's great. Okay, I should catch up on Bluey, I guess. <laughs> well, this has been Tyler and Ryan discuss the state of streaming. Featuring TV Sidebar Part 2. Yes, you love to see it. Um, but It's been great. I, I just want creators to be able to create their work and not everything to be down to yeah. numbers and, and money. But that's the world to be able we live to see in. stuff. Yeah, but unfortunately, this is the world we live in. Um, hopefully, David Zasloff is ousted from the company quickly and we can mm. have a true creative Or the David Zasloff redemption arc. Nah, I'm not here for it. Too far? He's okay. a villain. It's, it's too early well, for that. If we learn anything from our bracket, it's that... Good, we'll triumph in the end. Yes, like Here's Genie, hoping. Here's Robin hoping. Williams. All right, so before we sign off for today's episode, Ryan, I do have to ask you our classic wrap-up question. Ooh, okay. And it's a two-parter. Which of the movies we talked about today is are, are you most excited to see? And which of the trailers that we talked about was your most favorite? I think my favorite trailer is 3,000 Years of Longing. Um, but I think I'm most excited to see Pearl. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. I like it. I am going to throw my vote for best trailer behind Honk for Jesus. Okay. Save Your Soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And most excited movie to see is Pearl as well. I am super stoked uh, about getting a prequel from X. Yeah. Um, and it's what it's the antithesis of the streaming movies we were just talking about. A, a studio backing a creative full force. Full force. 100%. We love to see it. I'm, I'm stoked about that one. Yes. So go off Ty West and... Everybody else, you, you can log Congrats. off because Ooh, it's time to go to sleep. It is. Good night. Well, before you go to sleep, if you want, you can like scroll on your phone. And oh, bed. yeah. We know when you say you're going to sleep, you're going to be on your phone for like at least another 15 minutes. So you might as well just go over to Twitter and go over to Instagram and hit follow on Preview Review. Yeah. And, and you if, can also follow Ryan and I on Letterboxd. Yeah, that's fun. Tyler does reviews and I read them and they're good reviews. Thank you. And I do lists without star rankings or reviews. You just have to wonder that's why right. it's there. It's an Wait, which of your list was, like, chaotic to me? You have to remember. I think it was the Harry Potter one. Oh my gosh, his Harry Potter rankings are wild. And that's, we'll leave it on a cliffhanger. If you want to know, you have to follow us yeah, on you gotta, Letterboxd. Yeah, you gotta see it. It's it's bonkers. It's right there, because I just added Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, it's updated. <laughs> Alright, well, thanks everyone. Hope you have a good night, and stay safe out thanks there. Thanks for listening to Preview Review. Bye! Bye.